0: You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S., from law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media/cbf to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's s-h-e-w-i-t-t at bizjournals.com.
1: Howdy, y'all. This is Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the host of this podcast, Women of Influence. This podcast features conversations with Columbus's leading women in business in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today, we're chatting with Lisa Cordes, CEO of the United Way of Central Ohio. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Thank you for having me. So, Lisa, I want to start by getting to know you a little bit. So, uh, you did not grow up in Ohio,
2: correct? Correct. Been here almost 25 years now. So, how did you make your way to Columbus? My husband's job. Ah. Yes. (laughs) So, I, yes. So, his job took us here. He was, we came here um, from West Virginia, actually, And he was president of West Virginia, Westland College in West Virginia, and came here to Lead Ohio Westland. University. Oh,
1: okay, gotcha. Where in West Virginia. Is that
2: Buchanan, the central oh, part of the state? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we stayed in the Methodist community and came to Ohio Westland, which is a great experience. And, and he was there ten years.
1: Okay. And were you? I know you were at the Columbus Foundation before you with United Way. Were Correct. you in the nonprofit world? Uh, my all whole entire long? career. Okay. I've
2: only been in the nonprofit sector. So
1: what attracted you to that
2: sector? I th- I think it was growing up. I'm definitely a s- child of the '70s. And there was just a a lot of social justice movements at Mm -hmm. the time. So I couldn't imagine going into any other career other than that which could work on social justice issues Mm -hmm. and think about making our community better. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So I I do think... Fits my personality, but also it was a product of the environment and my formative experiences. Because the '60s certainly had influence on me, even mm-hmm. though I'm not a child of the '60s. But it was, you know, interesting time, and I went through segregation mm-hmm. uh, as a young child in our schools and watched what I saw, thought was very unjust, and mm-hmm. it it t- totally formed my. Life experience. Gotcha.
1: And so you've been at United Way now for almost three years. Correct. Is that right. Yes. Great. Yeah. So what's what are you proudest of uh, in your first three years as
2: CEO there? Well, we are in a changing philanthropic uh, landscape and marketplace, and I am proud that we have made some bold changes in response to those changes. And those are sometimes hard for a hundred-year organization. But we are, definitely have some threats to mm-hmm. our model and do not raise the same type. The traditional workplace campaign that has funded United Ways for 100 years uh, is in decline across our country. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm proud of the changes that we are making uh, to stay relevant in this community, to continue to attract donors, and to be a more nimble and lean organization because we're not the United Way that was here 10 years ago mm-hmm. that there's too much competition in the marketplace companies you know united way worked best when when the ceo of a company said you will give to you. <laughs> and that's why some people don't like united uh-huh. way uh-huh. and associates and young people don't want to be told where to give yeah right mm-hmm. so we have to uh, be creative and leveraging our resources now the workplace campaign is still very strong, and it leverages about $30 million a year. So it's very important to our community. Mm -hmm. But less of those resources over time are coming to support our work and the um, amount of monies that we have and our board has to make grants in the community.
1: Mm -hmm. So where are you making up some of those dollars? Right.
2: So we um, are currently in strategic planning, but the opportunities of the future are more around Corporate grants, um, working with individuals and helping them to, uh, those that would be interested in the type of work that we do to connect with transformational giving, Um, also public and uh, government grants are Mm -hmm. probably the way of the future. Mm -hmm. That funds our work around leverage, so it's about convening and helping the community to establish goals for moving the community forward. And as an organization, we call ourselves a backbone organization Mm -hmm. so that we would drive the process and hold the data and the accountability for our community. But um, it wouldn't be about United Way first. It would be Mm -hmm. about community goals first.
1: Mm Well. I suspect most people listening to this have had some sort of United Way presentation at their office, but can you talk a little bit more about, and that that gets at it a little bit, but the way United Way works and kind of what your pitch is for why that...
2: Absolutely, Yeah. yeah. So we fund right now in four primary impact areas. So one is student success, and we focus on early childhood education and high school graduation. Both are at risk in our community, especially among those districts that work with have children who are living in poverty are not prepared compared to their peers for kindergarten and high school rates graduation rates are significantly lower and Uh we have a crisis on our hands so those are two areas that we fund and then we fund basic needs uh, food clothing shelter And Franklin County has 1.3 million people and 400,000 of us live at 200% of poverty or below. So that infrastructure is really important. And it's not as though these are hardworking families, so it's not as though they have to go to the food bank every day. Mm -hmm. But to have that safety net is really important in our community as our community grows. And there are still hundreds of thousands of us that need that support. And we fund strong neighborhoods, and we focus on the Linden neighborhood and the south side and work on revitalization efforts. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we work on good jobs. And our, I, our goals in good jobs are to fund those organizations that are doing the best work to be able to train people with multiple barriers for employment and place them and retain them mm-hmm. and make certain that they have the support to be able to be retained in jobs. So in a workplace campaign, you can choose to give to one of those buckets and impact areas, or you can choose any nonprofit you want to give to.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Some companies, uh, like an L Brands or Nationwide, as an example, match the gift uh-huh. that the associate gives, and the match comes to the work of United Way. Even if you if you were to choose the dog shelter, you could do that, and then L Brands or Nationwide would match it, mm-hmm. but the money would come to the work of the United Way One of those four buckets areas, Mm -hmm. and what really differentiates United Way is that in those four buckets, then there are eighty funded partners, Mm -hmm. and we convene those organizations to come together regularly, so that they can work better together. And we analyze data like no other funder. So there, we hear from our nonprofit partners three times a year. And we have a data science team that analyzes the work so that they can learn to make how to make their work better, but also we can learn where someone might be excelling and how can we all learn from that. But also in the case in the last year, there were a couple of organizations that were not performing continually, and so we don't continue funding them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that differentiates our work.
1: Pivoting back a little bit just to you, so mm-hmm. in your current job or at various points in your career, have you have you been the person... Asking people for money,
2: I have, <laughs> and I still do. <laughs> that is still a part of your job today, right? Uh,
1: so I know, uh, you know, that can be daunting. I think for some young development professionals. Yes. What, what are yeah. your top tips for right? <laughs> making right?
2: Um, well, even when I went to the Columbus Foundation as uh, it, that is really not a fundraising organization, mm-hmm. right? But a donor services organization, I found that I was fundraising, um, and that none of us have enough money to solve all these community, no organization, right, (laughs) to fund all all the needs and solve for Uh the needs, no one person and no one organization. And so it's always about leverage. Like Uh how can we put monies together and Uh and pool resources and collaborate? So for me it's always been about that leverage. And for young people in development, um, the development field, you know, I'm going to make some generalizations, but – Uh, It has way too much turnover. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And those nonprofit leaders in development that can find the right cause for them where they can be really passionate about it because you can't sell something you're not passionate Mm -hmm. about and can make a commitment of service for more than 18 months because that's sometimes the typical amount of time a development professional stays really differentiate themselves in the career. Mm -hmm. But people want to Development people want to move around a lot. Yeah.
1: What does your team look like at the United Way? How many people do you have?
2: On? We have forty-two people okay, at United nice. Way. Yeah. yeah.
1: And what do you look for when you're hiring?
2: Well, first we look for culture fit. Uh huh. So, first and foremost, you have to love our mission, and and we want everyone to be mission focused. And if you're not mission focused, you're just not going to be a fit. And that doesn't and that doesn't. We look for that in every person. Mm-hmm. So, in the accounting professional you know, in the fundraiser um, and in the community impact department. Uh, we are about serving the community and making the community better. So every day we wake up and think, how can we leverage the resources that we have to make our community better? And the donor is our customer. So if you if you can't appreciate uh, the service we, wanna, we want to give to donors, you won't be successful.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it sounds like leverage is a pain. Yes. of this conversation, <laughs> yeah. I feel like. So what's the hardest part of your job?
2: for sure i'm i'm an optimist so i don't think of things as necessarily hard but as you say that i think as an example yesterday was a really long day and i didn't finish everything i wanted to finish mm-hmm. so i think it's the volume yeah yeah of work and we're trying to rapidly change so we are we are flying the plane while we're building a new plane mm-hmm. and that takes double time Mm -hmm. because our current model again it raises a lot of money for our community 10 years from now if we relied on it today and never changed it we might be out of business 10 years from now
1: Mm -hmm. so
2: we have to reinvent our work and so but we have to do our work too because it's still very relevant so (laughs) that i think that's the hardest part of it yeah
1: and (laughs) what's your favorite part of the job
2: My favorite part of the job is working with the nonprofits Mm -hmm. and um, helping to build the capacity for them to succeed. And now I've been working with many of the same people or the same organizations for 20 years. So I hope that there's a level of trust Mm -hmm. and... We can really get work done because relationships have been built. So I love the relationship part.
1: You mentioned you had a very long day yesterday. What do you do to de-stress after Mm -hmm. a particularly challenging day or week?
2: Right. Well, I am crazy about my dogs. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'm always, you know, I commit to at least a two-mile walk with them a day. Uh Uh-huh. So that, and I don't ever let them down. How
1: many dogs is this? Of two. Two. and what kind of dogs? We
2: have a pit bull mix Mm -hmm. and a cabochon. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I've never missed a day I always take them on this walk. Mm-hmm. So that helps me. And then I also swim for exercise. Oh, okay. um, and I like my family. Yeah,
1: that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i keep them. Yes. I feel like that's a, that's a positive. Do you live close to downtown? or I live in Bexley. Okay. Gotcha. What about books? Are you reading anything interesting? Right yes.
2: Now? I just finished uh, Lori Gottlieb's Something to Talk About. Uh, I can't remember the title, but she's a ther- she's a, a a therapist who goes into therapy.
1: Oh. And it's on the
2: bestseller list. It was really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. And my so coincidentally, this is when you know you have a good book club. I missed my last book club meeting, and that was the book they selected. Oh. And I just happened to have selected it on my own, so I, oh. I'm ready for my next book club. That's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: Excellent. Such yeah. synergy. <laughs> right. I feel like I'm still. Still trying to find my Columbus book clubs. So oh, well, kinda... we
2: we read only biographies.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I'm reading a biography of Wallace Simpson right now. Okay. Which I picked yeah. up after the... This is the second time in the podcast I've talked about Meghan Markle. But after <laughs> the <laughs> Meghan Markle news, uh, it's I'm only a couple chapters in it. It's kind of interesting. Let's see. Is mentorship something that's been a big factor in your career? Either mentors that you've had or people that you are mentoring?
2: It is because people help people. I mean, uh-huh. it's all, it's all relational. Right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely have had key mentors, but I also feel like uh, I have mentors and they don't know they're my
1: mentor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that
2: I look to them and I feel like I can learn from everyone. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that have emulated behaviors that I either don't want to be like, Or I really do want to be like, and Mm -hmm. so I've sought to learn from them. And they might not know
1: that that they're
2: teaching me. Maybe Mm -hmm. they do, and they're humoring me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's so often that when you talk about mentorship, people say, oh, the best best relationships are very natural. And sometimes I think that is not even explicitly like saying, now you are going to mentor me, but just kind of... You know, emulating
2: that right. person. So, mm-hmm.
1: have you ever had young women approach you asking? You I have, care? yeah, and
2: about? and I've regularly done that. Uh huh. And have a couple of women that I'm working with right now. Uh huh. On that, um, yeah, it's really important. And I've always said yes. Okay. And mm-hmm. found the time to do it and committed to doing it. So I take that very seriously.
1: Why is that something that you're open
2: to? Again, it's all relational, and you know there are challenges that women face. Mm-hmm. in the workplace and um, you know it's like if I, got, I, I feel really strongly that I need to pull up a seat to the table to allow other women to have a seat there mm-hmm. like people pulled, pulled up a seat for me gotcha. but I would say for the most part I mean it's so nice to see things changing but the people I'm old enough that the people who pulled up a seat for me were men
0: because mm-hmm.
2: they were the ones running the show uh-huh. Right, and now there are more women of influence, yes. so they can pull up a seat. Mm-hmm. But the people that have been most influential in my career have been men. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. That's. I guess I would. I would think that the nonprofit world is probably a little more yes gender parity yes. in it. So, um, but, but yeah, it can, it
2: is. But it's interesting. Is that okay? Because it's not paid as well. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
1: That's a good point. Right. Yeah. So
2: so, I'm and again. I'm going to grossly overgeneralize this but and I think it's changing but some men wouldn't take those jobs Mm -hmm. because they might be the primary breadwinner for their families and the sector hasn't hasn't We haven't demanded certain salaries. Somehow we think we should work for half the salaries because it's non-profit. And there's something to be said for that. When you're mission-driven and you're a servant leader, Mm -hmm. you're not driven by money first, but you also want to be able to provide for your family Mm -hmm. and plan for your retirement. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, attracting the talent that can do Mm -hmm. your work most effectively, I feel like. All right. I think uh, kind of my last question, um, I tend to leave these interviews with this, is just what's your, your number one piece of advice you'd like to to give to young women early in their careers, something you think they should remember that will help them as they try to maybe follow in your footsteps and become a yeah. CEO one day?
2: Well, we, are, we have a culture right now in our community that's starting to devalue, or there's talk or trends around devaluing education. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I see it in my own, my youngest daughter, and her. She's twenty-two in that age range. Like, why would I want a four-year degree?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, there's lots of reasons why you want a four-year degree, and and if you're if you're capable of having one, and you can afford a way to do it, and do it affordably, and there are lots of ways to do it affordably. Um, you know, starting at Columbus State and going to your somewhere else. There's lot. There are lots of options in Franklin County, as an example. If you have a four year degree, you there's only something like three percent of us in that case are living in poverty, mm-hmm. Interesting. and it's the four year degree that differentiates that. Mm-hmm. And to think that it, it could be in decades from now that people don't have degrees and they have certificates and badges and, but. To think that that's your ticket today, I think would be a, is a big mistake, and I believe what's differentiated me in my career um, is my education, and I never, you know, my husband said to me, it's because it's hard to get it right. No one can ever take it away from you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they can take away your job, and you can. A spouse can divorce you, a partner can divorce you, lots of things can be taken away from you, but the this education that is all yours, that you've earned, and no one can take it away. And so committed to being to, edu- to being educated, and the commitment to continuing to stay relevant through certificates and training, I think differentiates women.
1: Mm-hmm. Where did you go to school? burn?
2: Undergrad. undergrad Syracuse
1: okay and then you have a advanced degree I, I
2: have a master's degree from West Virginia University and a PhD from Akron Oh, okay
1: yeah awesome yeah and so and what did you study in undergrad
2: political science because I grew up in Washington DC <laughs> that's what you did <laughs> I didn't know any better probably would have done it differently but...
1: <laughs> and then what is your PhD in... I'm a counseling
2: psychologist oh
1: okay how do you feel like you use that in
2: your... your oh, I treatment? use it all the time. Uh-huh. And when I'm in my training, so I you know, would be one-on-one therapy, and, and I was always interested in what the person was talking about, but I was more interested in the systems. Uh-huh. Like, so if you see one more child is being abused, you think, what is going on in society? And I wanted to be more a, a part of those larger conversations about how do we have change on a larger level rather than an individual level? Mm-hmm. but it's also a career that will allow me um, in the future if I wanted to teach or have a private practice I could mm-hmm. so it's also given me a lot of flexibility
1: well that was a little segue then yeah it was interesting so Good. well terrific Lisa thank you so much thank you for, for having me coming on love the business first I ah, appreciate it it was great to chat with you you too thank you thanks